Ever since we got Xfinity Mobile, the whole family now has the fastest mobile service. Back in my day, we didn't have it nearly as good. Oh yeah? Back in my day, you couldn't even stream outside the house. I, I don't like to think about it. Switch to Xfinity Mobile, the fastest mobile service with 5G and millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. Get the best price for two unlimited lines with 5G compared to the lowest price plans of the top three carriers. Just $30 a line per month. Visit Xfinity.com slash fastest mobile to learn more. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Unlimited Intro Service and Xfinity Internet Require. Taxes and fees extra. Reduce fees after 20 gigabytes of usage. Data thresholds may vary. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Pizza we have tonight. Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. Each week we talk about which predator I've caught to profile and it seemed to me that it was time to take a look at the Riverside County, California investigation and one particular predator who surfaced in that, Walter Babst. This was our third predator investigation, and it was a very significant one because in the first two, in Bethpage, Long Island, New York, as well as Herndon, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., we did not have law enforcement conduct a parallel investigation. It was just us and perverted justice. So after I would confront these guys, these alleged predators, they would leave. They'd be in the wind, walking down the street, in some cases twirling an umbrella, speeding off in their cars. And it dawned on me that it was both somewhat unfulfilling as a television correspondent and producer, to not have some sort of ending to the story, as much as we knew about these guys, and as much as perhaps then the ending was them leaving. But it was also somewhat of a social responsibility for us to partner or pair up with law enforcement to conduct a parallel investigation. Now, law enforcement did make some successful prosecutions in the first two investigations. Rabbi David Kay being one of them, who was arrested by the FBI and prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney's Office and ultimately spent six and a half years in prison. We talked about David Kay in a previous episode of Predators I've Caught. But Riverside 
gave us the opportunity to take the investigations to the next level. It was the first investigation we did in California. Once again, we worked with the online watchdog group Perverted Justice, whose volunteers posed as 12, 13, 14-year-old boys and girls online in chat rooms. After seeing our earlier To Catch a Predator investigations, Perverted Justice was contacted, actually, by the Riverside County Sheriff's Department about conducting a joint investigation into online sexual predators. Perverted Justice and NBC jumped at the opportunity. Many viewers had objected earlier that we permitted the men from the earlier investigations in New York and Virginia to just walk away and potentially, well, harm real children. And it was a real issue in my mind as well. But working with law enforcement was going to present many challenges. As journalists, we didn't want to be an arm of the police. We wanted to conduct our investigation independently, which included me being able to interrogate, question, confront, and interview the men coming into our hidden camera house before the police were able to arrest and interview them. This didn't always sit well with law enforcement, I'll be honest with you. Some in law enforcement just weren't willing to cooperate in such an endeavor. And I understand why. Many agencies across the country, federal and local, successfully conducted these sorts of stings for years before we got started. And they produced a real sense of justice. The Riverside County Sheriff's Department was willing to take the risk. Then-Lieutenant Chad Bianco and Deputy District Attorney Michelle Paradise were determined to make it work. Footnote here, 15 years later, Lieutenant Chad Bianco is now Sheriff Chad Bianco, the elected sheriff of Riverside County. Former Deputy District Attorney Michelle Paradise is now still with the District Attorney's Office, but a chief of one of the sections. They both remain very committed to arresting and preventing predatory behavior in Riverside County. I stay in touch with them. We've actually spoken together over the years at different conferences. Good people, solid law enforcement and prosecutors. In Riverside, perverted justice acted as a sort of ethical wall separating Dateline and the Sheriff's Department. After perverted justice contributors finished their chats with potential predators and made a date for them to come over to our house, a copy of that chat log was given to me and another one to the deputies involved in the investigation. Frag and Dell, the perverted justice decoys and operators, directors, were in radio contact with the sheriff's department at all times. For this operation, we were set up in a five-bedroom home in a relatively new subdivision in Riverside County. Once again, PJ had set up its computer operations in an upstairs bedroom, and our technical team had taken over the master bedroom and turned it into essentially a television control room. Remember, this was 15 years ago, so we didn't have the smaller equipment, the remote cameras that we do today. Today, we can do all this stuff with a series of iPads, but... It was still pretty high-tech for the time. I am always amazed what these guys were able to pull off. Lieutenant Bianco and his team were set up in a motorhome parked in a driveway next door. Bianco had 15 men assigned to the operation, and they didn't get much rest over this three-day weekend in late January 2006. Our past two investigations had averaged 18 men. But in this case, 
and I was just blown away when it happened and still am looking back. An overwhelming 51 men showed up in three days. That's right, 51 guys, ranging from a 68-year-old who had a conviction history of sexually assaulting children to a high school math teacher, algebra teacher, and that is Walter Bapps, the subject of this particular episode. The plan was to have the men show up. I'd confront and attempt to interview them, and then when they left the house, the sheriff's deputies would arrest them and take them away for interrogation. As it turned out, this would take a fair bit of flexibility and hustle, but we were always ready for the scramble. In Southern California, 14 men showed up on the very first day. I I remember thinking, are we pushing this a little too hard, a little too fast. I remember having a conversation with Dell at the time saying, okay, you know, this is really important and it's really, really amazing that so many people are willing to show up to meet a 12, 13, 14-year-old boy or girl, but let's be careful. Let's make sure we maintain a certain level of safety. And we had a number of discussions back and forth and we were able to do it. I mean, there's always a certain amount of inherent risk in any kind of investigation like this. And and you got to be on your toes at all times. And in spite of having security just for me and the team, as well as having the sheriff's department outside, it's it's edgy, you know. And again, this was only the third investigation we did. It produced the most diverse group we had ever seen. The men who visited our house ranged from 19 to 68, as I mentioned. We met an actor a homeland security agent, and something we had never seen before, men with violent criminal histories. But it was 43-year-old Walter Babst who really sticks out in my memory as one of the most fascinating, complicated, and at least on that day, dangerous predators I've caught. Online, Walter Babst had a screen name of Kinky man in Corona, 43 years old, and as I mentioned, a high school algebra teacher. On the face, he was just an average guy dressed in a polo shirt and jeans. He looked like any other 43-year-old out and about on a Saturday morning running errands, like somebody's dad after a stop at Starbucks. But when he walked into our house in Riverside, I already knew more about him than perhaps he was able to admit to himself. I certainly knew more than his wife and kids did. For that matter, the students in his math class, the fellow teachers at his school. We'll get into more of that later. His chat with the decoy named Bubble Beth 2005 left little doubt about his intent. He chatted with the decoy for just a little less than a day before he showed up on a Saturday morning. I remember specifically being told by my producer, Lynn Keller, who was able to see this in the monitor that as he pulled up, Babst, kinky man in Corona, sat in his car, almost as if he was trying to decide whether he was going to go through with this. I mean, think about this. Here's a guy who teaches algebra in a high school. He's been chatting in the most graphic way with a girl who's identified as a 12-year-old girl. And you'll hear that chat in just a moment here. And he's going to go in and have sex with this girl? What kind of a teacher does that? What kind of a human being does that? And so you see him in the car, in this dilemma, weighing 
whether or not he should do this. He actually has his wedding ring on in the beginning, and he twists it around, and he's thinking, and ultimately he pulls that ring off, puts it in his pocket, walks up the driveway, and he's been instructed by the decoy to come in around back. Now, this is a neighborhood. There's space between the homes, but it it's, you know, fairly tight. So we didn't want to alarm the neighbors. And again, right next door, we've got the sheriff's department set up in a motorhome, which did not really stick out. It looked like somebody just had parked their motorhome there. But we had the guys, for the most part, come around to the back so the neighbors wouldn't see the commotion. The backyard was somewhat fenced in. And you see bats come up the driveway, soft steps, but moving fast. And he comes around the corner and the sliding door to the backyard is open and the curtain is pulled back. It's like reddish orange. And he pokes his head in to look. And it's almost like a meme looking back on it today, 15 years later. And Dell, who's posing as the 12-year-old girl, says, come on in, I've got to do something. And he, he comes around the corner and he comes into the kitchen and he's antsy, anxious, rangy. And then I pop out. Now, he has to process in a matter of seconds who I am and how much trouble he's in. Not knowing I already have all the chats. I have a picture he sent. A graphic picture that he said was his penis to a 12-year-old girl. When you take a good hard look at this transcript, the chat log between... Bapst, kinky man in Corona, and a decoy who clearly identifies herself as a 12-year-old girl named Beth. There's no mistaking his intent. And remember, in most states, the crime is committed during the conversation online. Kinky man in Corona says, Beth, you are a real cutie. How are you doing? She says, aw, I'm fine. Thank you. He says, cool. What's your ASL? You there? Okay, bye. Now they get cut off here, but this gives you a good sense of how this grooming continues. And I would be shocked. And you'll hear what Babs has to say about it in a minute, but I would be shocked. Just absolutely surprised if this was the first time Babs got online and had this sort of a conversation Whether this was fantasy or not, he showed up. Remember that as we go through this. You're a real cutie, he says again. No school this week, not till next. Cool, I take it parents aren't home? So he's already working on her availability, knowing she's 12. This is what the actual perverted justice decoy had to say about Babst looking back. He moved fairly fast, showing up after only a day of chatting. From the vulgar descriptions of what he wanted to do to me, to the flippant attitude about taking a 12-year-old's virginity, combined with the disturbing profile he used proudly displaying his status as a member of such groups as kinky kids, cherry poppin' daddies, and older men for younger girls, chatting with Babst was a thoroughly revolting experience from start to finish. I truly wasn't surprised when he linked me to the profile of another PervertedJustice.com contributor who was working the bus that weekend. So he's online with two different decoys. Remember this as we proceed. 
in my eyes, and again, I'm talking about the, the perverted justice decoy here, that's more than telling of whether or not this was the first time he ever did anything of this nature. I'm just relieved it was this time he got caught. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. The chat leaves little doubt about Walter Bapst's intent. He says, yes, I do want to come over and I would love to get you naked. The decoy says, for real? I've never done that before. Well, we do more than that, says Bapst. Like what? She says. Well, I would get naked too and we would have sex. Now, remember, this girl is, in his mind, 12 years old. The teacher even schooled our decoy on oral sex, telling her that if he ejaculated in her mouth, it would roughly be the consistency of pancake batter. Now, the high school math teacher, married with kids, remember that he had two kids, is coming face to face with me. I'm watching him pace and he's moving quickly and I'm afraid he's going to get hinky and leave. So I walk into the room, into the kitchen. And before I can say much, kinky man in Corona, Walter Babst, asks if he was under arrest. I'm under arrest? No, I want to talk to you. Now, at this point, remember, he had no idea our hidden cameras were rolling. I offered him a seat. Great, have a seat. In the kitchen, on the stool, and said, And what are you doing here? This is amazing, his response. Getting my ass kicked. Getting your ass kicked. Yeah. He must have thought I was a cop at that point. And then he says, I need you to arrest me and take me to jail and execute me. I need you to just arrest me and take me to jail and, and execute I need to talk to you first. Now, I'm processing all this information. He's already tried and convicted himself, sentenced himself, really. And I think looking back at that, part of the reason so many men stay and talk to me during these investigations is because. Many feel confessional. And the truth of the matter is, I am genuinely curious to find out why exactly these guys would risk everything for a sexual encounter with a young teen after this explicit online chat. I posed that question to Walter Bast. And I think, at least about this, he was being honest. Well, why did you come here, though? Help me to understand. Because I'm a sick son of a bitch. I am a sick son of a bitch. I talk about it online all the time, but he claimed that he'd never actually met someone in person before, at least after an online chat. I've never done anything with anybody except my wife. Ever. Ever. He was reluctant to admit to me what he did for a living. What do you do for a living? I'm in education. You're in education. A teacher. Mm -hmm. What grade do you teach? High school. High school. Yes. I already knew he was a teacher because we had done the research from the online chat. And actually, he had said that to the girl in their earlier conversation to the decoy. There were a couple moments when I thought Babst might actually try something perhaps violent. He would get up. He would pace. He would put his hands in his pockets. He was making me nervous, quite honestly, even after he pretty much admitted his guilt. And as he continued to justify and dodge and deny certain aspects of what had just happened. I slid across a picture that Dell had run out to me during the course of the interview. And you can see this in the, in the video of the original investigation. He had sent a picture of what he purported to be his penis. 
In the online chat with the decoy, Bats leaves very little to the imagination. When the decoy says, I don't know, I've never done anything like that, I might not be any good at it, Bats says, oh, I'm sure you'd be awesome. You have to learn, yes, but I know I would totally enjoy it. Remember, he thinks she's 12. He goes on to say, I come a lot and it is potent. Bubble Beth 2005 says, oh, that could like make me preggers, right? He says, yes. Then he goes on to say, I'd prefer not to use a condom and pull out, but risky because you are so hot. I'm not sure I would be able to get it out without shooting some in you. And in the chat, he even acknowledges that he's a teacher. The decoy saying, I think it would be cool if I had you for it, teach, because you're cool. Kinky Man at Corona, Walter Babst, LOL, if you were at my school, I couldn't come over. I never do anything with students like that. There's a little more detail on that later, too. I'll get into it. Then he asks for the girl's address. And then he shows the girl, the decoy, a picture of his penis saying, do you see my pic in the chat window? Bubble Bath 2005 says, yeah, think you will like that in you, says Babst. How big is it, she said. Then, this, this is almost unbelievable, but he says, well, you saw, go get a can of Coke, lol. Dang, will it hurt? Babst, a little yes at first. What a guy. Oh, you'll be gentle, right? Yes, I want you to enjoy it. So I have all this information as I'm continuing my interrogation, interview, whatever you want to call it with him. And and he gets up at one point, and this is something that made everybody jump a little bit inside the predator house. He backs his stool up and it screeches across the, the floor and you can hear it on camera, deafening almost. And, and finally, he wants to know what's going to happen. And I tell him, one thing you got to know first, I'm Chris Hansen. We were doing a story on computer predators who try to meet kids online for sex. And the cameras come out. And he absolutely goes white. The blood drains from his face. And he wants to know if he's going to be arrested. I'm going to ask you something. Minor arrest. I said, well, that's not up to me. And he leaves. I say, you're free to go. And he walks out the sliding glass door to the backyard and around to the front, and he's in the driveway, and he sees the sheriff's department deputies, and he literally turns around as if he had practiced being arrested before. He almost seemed like a mass shooter gunman giving up because he turned around and walked backwards down the driveway with his hands behind him, making it easier for the deputies to arrest him. I've never seen anything quite like it. He knew he was in trouble, serious trouble. Now, remember, this is a guy who is a high school teacher, who has a wife, who has both a son and a daughter. And people can say what they want about sting operations and whether or not somebody would do this if we were not out doing a sting. But I can tell you this. I've been doing this reporting for 40 years and doing the predator investigations for 17. And we were just out doing a recent investigation just a couple months ago. And I can guarantee you that had a 12-year-old girl been there, 
and open to the idea of having sex with Walter Babst, he would have had sex with that girl. Look at the chats. Think about that. The fact that he shows up, the fact that he was willing to do this on a Saturday morning, God knows what he told his wife, where he was going, what he was going to do, or what he was going to go back to in terms of some sort of activities with his kids. And what about the school? Now, he claimed he had never had any inappropriate contact with any of his students. And maybe that's true. And in fact, our investigation revealed that there was no evidence that he had. Maybe it's just a matter of why would you do that and take the chance of getting caught in school when you could do it online and not face those same potential consequences. We did, though, find out something very interesting about this. So he gets busted on a Saturday, bails out, comes up with what story I don't know for his wife and children, shows up at the high school Monday morning, teaches class like nothing had happened. For six days, he taught algebra at that high school without ever saying anything to anyone at that school. And finally, you know, he's obviously gotten a lawyer. The Riverside County Sheriff's Department is following up and makes a call to the school. And finally, he leaves the school after six days of teaching, never to return. We were curious and wanted to go back and, and talk to some of the students. And again, you know, this isn't necessarily evidentiary. And people were starting to know about the Predator series. So take that and the ages of the students as you will. But here's what we found out. We talked to a girl named Christina. And this is what she had to say about her former math teacher. And I'm quoting here. He has looked at my butt or looked down our shirts. And other students said the same thing, although the school said it never received any formal complaints against the teacher. Walter Babst pleaded guilty and served a year in jail. He then was on probation for five years. Uh, all this revolving around the sting operation in Riverside County, California. It is, however, apparently one of those cases where a guy gets caught and manages to stay out of trouble for all these years. He obviously is no longer a teacher and as far as we know is not sought to teach kids ever again. I'm sure there's some sort of prohibition against that. But we do know that he has been involved in the aviation world and has a job now in transportation. He also has gotten quite a reputation as a model airplane builder, showing off his various models on different online forums, and he's involved in uh, a number of modeling groups. He did manage to salvage his marriage for what it's worth. His kids are now 22 and 24. It is hard to get inside somebody's home and somebody's life to determine exactly what they're doing today. But he, by all accounts, is a productive member of society. And this goes back to the question of rehabilitation. And I hope that Walter Babst is a guy who is rehabilitated. And people always ask me, you know, 
can these guys be rehabilitated and how do you do it? And the reality is it's not just one guy. Even in that investigation in Riverside, we had all different profiles. In fact, we had a guy who was 68 years old who said he was much younger. And turns out that he had been convicted before of sexually assaulting children and they weren't messing around this time. He got a big sentence. I think it was 24 years. And that's the kind of guy who can't be rehabilitated. But there is this interesting fellow in the middle, and I think Walter Babst is that guy who got so caught up in the chat rooms and the internet. And there's no way to justify even talking to a 12-year-old girl, even an innocent conversation. It's creepy, it's wrong, it's immoral, it's illegal. It's just offensive on every level to me and to virtually everybody else in society. But he did it. And I guess we'll never really know exactly what allowed him to do it. Maybe he was fantasizing about his students during the school day. Just never acted out on it because he knew he'd get caught or he knew it was morally, ethically, legally wrong. But he did it with this girl, Bubble Beth 2005. And I'm convinced that in that moment, on that day, he would have acted out. The chats are just so indicative of that kind of behavior, of that outcome. But we were there, and Bubble Bath 2005 was not. Walter Babs did his year in jail, his five years of probation. He had to register as a sex offender in the state of California. And he's now off the books in terms of any criminal monitoring. And as far as we can tell, he's working every day. He has a relationship with his wife and kids. And he's moved on. So I guess you have to hope that there are more stories like that at the end of the day than than stories where people reoffend. Obviously, you do. But it's still a bit of a mystery to me. And we'll discuss this in future episodes as to what we do to reduce demand for this sort of behavior. And in the meantime, I think it comes down to education, awareness. It comes down to teaching kids to be very wary online, and that's an age-appropriate discussion that every parent has to have with their kids, especially during these challenging times when we're dealing with a pandemic and kids are online more than ever before. The opportunity is greater. Imagine when we exposed Walter Babst 15 years ago. We were really dealing with two or three chat rooms. Today, it's a whole different environment. And as we continue our investigations, you'll see that it hasn't got much more difficult to catch predators, sadly. In the meantime, we'll keep talking about the ones we have caught. In our last episode, we talked to Daniela, who's the daughter of predator Daniel Allen, who was somebody else we caught in Riverside County, California. And it was fascinating to hear from someone so closely tied to one of the predators I've caught. What she knew about him, his behavior, how he treated her mother, what she knew about him, how she found out it happened. And I think it speaks to the collateral damage. And it was very brave of Daniela to come forward and to be a part of this podcast. And I encourage anyone else who may be thinking about it to to reach out to me at my email. And we've set this up for people to comment and to 
offer their insights into the predators I've caught. The email is chris at predatorpodcast.com. So I encourage you to reach out. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and let me know what you think. I'll be watching right here on Predators I've Caught. I'm Chris Hansen.